0: Oh you your nuts. Everybody say your nuts. Hey the Do doing things that cats cannot.
1: Hello and welcome to the LV School Podcast. My name is Jenny Choi and I'm the senior manager of School and Library Marketing here at Little Brown Books Young Readers. If you've been a loyal listener, you notice a new jingle at the top of the podcast. It's actually the catchy theme song for a new graphic novel series from debut author, illustrator, and this episode's special guest, Drew Brockington. Welcome, Drew.
0: Hi. Thanks for having me.
1: You've been entrenched in the world of comics since grade school. Do you remember your first comic? What about it captivated you?
0: The first comic that I remember, like sitting down and holding and reading in my hands, was actually there's two of them. There was an old Batman comic and a Tintin comic, and both of them I checked out from the library, and I checked them out probably 30 or 40 times that year. Batman was because it was Batman, and that was cool, and my I have two older brothers, and both of them were also into comics, so they liked Batman, so I liked Batman, obviously. And the Tintin was something that, it, it wasn't Batman. It was quieter story on that terms. I mean, it wasn't a you know, strong-muscle superhero. It was this, you know, normal person, seemingly, and a little his little dog, and they got into you know trouble and had to figure out a mystery, so that was completely opposite end of the spectrum. And as you know, six year old, I was like, Wow, this is neat! And mm-hmm. there was a lot of them too, there's like 20 Tintins, so.
1: a lot of them. We actually do, we publish them, so we have a stack of them like right behind. Oh, you. cool! Yeah, yeah do you feel like you ever trying to emulate any of what captivated you in those comics in your own work?
0: Hergé, the artist of Tintin, he is a master at that craft of layout and design and and also how to do complete 180 of facial expressions with just a simple, you know, stroke of the pen and stuff. So I look to him actually a lot for how pages are constructed and how to tell a story. I've been rereading some of his stuff actually. So yeah, definitely, definitely looking at Tintin a lot for kind of, The building, if you know, you need a building block for how to build a comic, Tintin is a great spot to look.
1: For a while, comics and graphic novels were sort of poo pooed. People didn't consider them to be actual reading. Fortunately, this attitude is changing, and educators are more readily adopting them into the classroom, and there's a lot of talk about visual literacy. What do you think comics and graphic novels offer readers that traditional novels can't?
0: I think it's a more direct window into what the characters are feeling and just being able to show someone's emotions rather than i mean you can write that i feel angry and i'm angsty and my palms are sweaty and stuff but actually being able to represent that on paper with the same time that 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 character is saying what's on their mind is a whole different ball game versus the next step would be to show it in tv or a movie or something like that but then it's so realistic that you might lose it whereas in a comic in that one panel they can zoom in on you know just the eyes and the eyebrow and show every crease of anger coming you know fuming from that eyeball and that really i think allows you to focus in on those little moments that you want to draw out to be a huge emphasis and really just kind of capitalize on
1: In the first book, Mission Moon, the world is facing a very serious energy crisis, something that is, of course, not unfamiliar to us. With the help of their colleagues at Mission Control and the world's best scientists that's the name of one of the cat characters, the cat astronauts put into action an ingenious solution to mine solar energy from the moon and transmit it back to Earth via radio waves. Is this an actual thing? It is.
0: It's a proposal. Yeah, the whole Mission Moon storyline is based off of a proposal... By a Japanese firm, Shimizu, it was proposed, I think in 2013, that they would go up and build an 11,000 mile ring of solar panels around the equator of the moon. And then these solar panels would collect the sun's energy all day, every day, and then send them back with lasers and microwave signals to Earth, and we can convert them into electricity the proposal doesn't have them starting it till 2070 and i don't know if it ever went beyond a proposal but it is it's a real situation that could eventually happen even in our lifetime if we get on it
1: it sounds insanely expensive
0: yeah i'm sure it is <laughs> and one of their things was that ro- it would be all self-automated like robots would build the solar panels and build more robots and fix it so it'd be all remote control but just
1: that sounds so futuristic yeah doesn't it yeah and then (laughs) we'd
0: take a flying car there and all that the Jetsons (laughs) would show up exactly exactly. but um yeah that's one actually one of the things is I like to keep everything that happens in these books plausible like it could actually happen so I do on my end I do I like taking ideas for stories or you know things that happen to the characters of Things that either have happened to actual astronauts or different space agencies or, you know, are slated for future missions. I'm reading lots about what NASA is planning to do, not just going to Mars, but also, you know, what other side missions or experiments they're trying to do.
1: So even though these books are about cats going to the moon and then the second book, uh, Race to Mars to the Red Planet there's a lot of actual NASA procedure. And you did a lot of research. You even flew a space shuttle, repaired the International Space Station, and served in mission control. Can you tell us more about your week at adult space camp?
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs> and it's it's as amazing as it sounds. It's exactly <laughs> space camp, but you're there as an adult the same time that children are there, too. And you're you do the same activities that anyone going to space camp does. And you just do it with your group of adults. Yeah, this was when I was working on writing these books. I was like, how can I get firsthand knowledge of being an astronaut? And Adult Space Camp showed up and I was like, great, sign me up. And there was, I was amazed. It was, uh, there was 20 adults in the program. We had two teams of 10 and we're, their ages from early twenties to, you know, people in their sixties. So everybody was just kind of there from all over. All of us had, you know, space was the common theme in why we were there. But when we were there, I flew. They have simulators for everything. So we threw, flew the space shuttle. I served in mission control. I was the communications person there. I got to put on a space suit and was hung from the ceiling and replaced an oxygen tank on their uh, International Space Station Simulator. We even got a tour of the Saturn V rocket, the rocket that sent the Apollo missions to the moon. They have an actual rocket there. So I, I was given a tour of that rocket by a scientist who built the computer systems on that rocket. So I was seeing actual equipment in the place where they make the equipment by the people who made it. So it was as close to an astronaut as I could ever get.
1: Where was the camp?
0: The camp is in Huntsville, Alabama. So, And that's also where NASA does a lot of their jet propulsion laboratories and things like that.
1: And so even before you were working on Catstronauts, as a child, were you fascinated by science?
0: So I, I wanted to be a pilot, before i wanted to draw comics i wanted to be a pilot and then my then the next year i got glasses and uh and yeah, that kind of I, was, that yeah, I was pretty much told being a pilot would be i'd have to you know laser surgery wasn't invented yet so so pilot was pretty low on the list then but yeah with the whole idea of flight and exploration and all that kind of never left me and that was something i i followed through growing up my family is a big sci-fi family. We would have Star Trek Sundays, where we sit around as a family and watch Star Trek. We were always reading, you know, and keeping our head into like the fantastical side of of um, space exploration. And actually, my brother studied electrical engineering for his doctorate, so he was even more in the actual field of what's going on in space exploration. So, even though, yeah, even though I never could fly, I definitely always had i guess you know part of my head was always in what's going on
1: you've called the books a love letter to space why do you why do you think we're so fascinated by space exploration
0: i think it's i mean aside from the ocean floor it's the next frontier and it's even more so nowadays than it was you know in the past in the past like in the 90s or whatever but it just seems so much more approachable to get to mars now in our lifetime than it has ever been in the life of anybody yeah yeah Yeah. you know the fact that technology is growing faster than people can adapt to it yeah then it's it's just seems like we got to do it at some point at some point it's going to be where else what else can we do how else can we show (laughs) off to each other it's like the iphone's already so small let's go to mars come on
1: (laughs) i am a total cat lady like i admit it so i have to know because you do not have a cat but the books are all about cats so i just need to know why cats
0: well i am uh spoiler alert everybody i am allergic to cats (laughs) but i mean why not no i i think cats are they're fun to draw when i was Coming up for the the initial sketch of these castronauts, what led me to, first it started as a drawing, then the drawing led to a comic, and then the comic led to this, but what led me to take that drawing and turn it into a comic was, these are fun to draw. They're just kind of little blobs and ears and super cute, and I was just having a real fun time kind of putting them floating in zero gravity at any angle possible, and I was just having a great time doing that.
1: Do you research cats too? Then I yeah, this is
0: funny. When I when I was working on this, my brother sent me uh, my brother Sam sent me a World of Cat Breeds book that has all the breeds of the world, and I've actually referenced it when I'm introducing new characters or needing to figure out like like a pattern or a spot thing or something they do, which is weird because the drawings are so cartoony at point, but I'm actually like looking through this cat breed book being like, nope, nope, nope. Oh, yep. You Persian. Yep. You're the one. So yeah, there's definitely, I'm looking at a lot of cats.
1: (laughs) You've developed the Cats from from a short 12 page comic you created yourself Mm -hmm. to a four book graphic novel series where each book is a hundred plus pages How have your four main characters, Major Meowsers, Waffles, Blanket, and Pom Pom, evolved through this process? Because they look so different from your first kind of prints of them. Yeah,
0: so the the biggest thing is that in that original comic, that little comic, it was all just about having fun and telling a joke, basically. And then the minute that I started work on on these graphic novels, it became, uh, you know, who are these astronauts? which led to their specific, you know, just giving them the specific names, Major Meowser, Pom Pom, Blanket, and Waffles. Like, that alone sets a tone for kind of who they are. And going from there, it's been a real rabbit hole with trying to figure out the voice for each of them, where Pom Pom loves science. So how do you say that when everything that she does, she is kind of, Bored when she's talking about something else, but then she hears somebody say the word "experiment" and she turns around and is just so excited. You know, it's it's been really fun, and it's to the point where I am still figuring out their characters, Mm -hmm. just because the stories are such teen based. That uh, I'm trying to, you know, focus a little bit of each story on a on a different character, so that I can just have that little window to kind of explore, you know, what their reaction would be and and how they how they would deal with these problems, and then also shed a little light on their background and their personal life and stuff.
1: Do you keep the little like character cheat sheet where you're like? waffles like this kind of tuna fish or yeah
0: i have um above my drawing table i have sketches of all the characters and like personal items and stuff like that added to so that i know a i know what they look like so i can keep drawing them and then b that i know that i can kind of throw some other stuff in there so and i'm sure as as the stories grow and continue like that'll that thing expands too
1: I listened to this interview you did a couple of years ago where you mentioned that your brother is a real-life rocket scientist who's the one who, I assume, uh, majored in electrical engineering. Yeah, good guess. Yeah. <laughs> and at the time, your brother you, you said your brother was working on this project that sounded uh, similar to what one of the cats at Mission Control was working on. It was like the cat named Elvis. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask, is Elvis based on your brother? And if so, does anyone else from your life make it
0: into the book? Elvis is is not based on my brother, but my the world's best scientist is based on my brother and that's just kind of how i think about him because whenever my brother this is my brother sam two brothers david who's into music and actually helped do the theme song did the orchestrations for that and then sam is the scientist but when i think of sam and he tells me what he's working on in the lab it just goes over my head so quickly and then he he's been really good about like realizing that he's talking in physics. And then kind of oh oh let me step back and break it down to like you know real, people real talk yeah real talk <laughs> he is the world's best scientist and he he's actually a great source for he's been sent me articles to look up other things we have a Google Doc where we're just like throwing science jokes or back and forth and he's like oh you gotta reference this and and don't forget that panel needs to say high voltage everywhere and I was like oh okay great thank you. So,
1: so you, you just make sure that you run things by him and he'll kind of give you a thumbs up or thumbs down, it's like in yeah. terms of like the science aspect of yeah. the book.
0: Yeah. He's really good at just like spitballing ideas and I'll say, "What do you think of this? Uh, you know, I'm thinking about this for their next mission." And he's he'll say, "Oh yeah, that's good." And you can also look at these missions and then the, there is a paper written last year that you should look up and stuff like that. So, he's, if
1: Sam's in the book, Is Dave in the book as well? Dave
0: is not in the book yet.
1: Or am I just making, like, your family fall apart right now? Yeah, probably. (laughs)
0: There'll be words when I get home. No, I don't know. I don't... I think Sam is the only one directly in the book. I mean, there's parts, obviously, I think when you write, you write from life. So there's parts of everybody... So there's no real-life yeah. waffles is what there I'm There is really no real-life waffles, and I've, there is, yeah. I
1: so. love the perpetually hungry character. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> um, actually, waffles right now is my, my son, who's turning one-year-old, who eats with both hands. So, <laughs> kind of like that. But that's just when he's eating.
1: Which is all the time. Right? Which <laughs> is all the time. <laughs> um, so there are a lot of visual gags and puns throughout the books. Can you tell us about some of your favorites so readers can keep an eye on them?
0: Yeah, and this is actually one of my favorite parts of working on these books is kind of filling in all the backgrounds. One of my big takeaways from Space Camp was there has to be buttons everywhere because mission control and in the space shuttle and everything, all the panels everywhere have buttons or screws or everything has to be used. So just kind of filling in all that background is really fun. I'm a big fan of including like an 80s tape deck or like a mixtape on the wall somewhere if it's a space thing. I also like putting little sci-fi references, kind of hidden or out. There's the characters Waffles and Yogi talk about the flight control sticks. And Waffles says, is this the new T-70 flight control stick? And... and Yogi says it is and Waffles says, I have the T sixty five. those are X Wing models used in Star Wars. T sixty five is from the old one and T seventy is the new I Force thought they Awakened, were
1: like so. a calculator or nope,
0: something. Nope, like the T I eighty nine. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's good too. I got it. <laughs> oh, let me write that down.
1: That's uh, what it, uh, that reference just went right over my head, yeah. but I, I did think they were, like, Texas instruments.
0: Yeah, so, oh, no, that's good. Yeah, I like to hide little things like that. The other thing I love to do is show show the castronauts eating when they have their helmets on and the food is outside of their helmet. Like, how does that happen?
1: I never even thought about that. Yeah,
0: there's a point where wa- it's always waffles. Waffles <laughs> is, like, eating a sandwich out in the middle of space and he's got his helmet on, and he's just chomping away at it, so...
1: <laughs> we not just figure that yeah. out. They'll figure it out. Yeah. I'm fine. So, and then I want to ask you, where else in the universe will the castronauts be going? Do you have any idea on books three and four?
0: Yeah, I have have some idea. Uh, on book three, they're visiting the International Space Station. They're doing a mission on that, kind of focusing more on, on Earth, because they've just did a big journey to Mars on, on book two. And then book four... So far, with a super rough outline, we're looking at making a journey to Jupiter.
1: Oh, cool. So,
0: keeping it within the solar system. Okay.
1: And is that actually f- possible? Like,
0: Yes. Us? I For humans, it's probably a, a long way out, okay. but I think the minute we go to Mars, we're going to start... Planning all these other missions to other planets. So, I mean, if cats can make it there, we should That's be able true, to, right? right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on the LB School podcast, Drew. It was so much fun getting to know you and talking about the cat astronauts. Listeners, get ready to leap for the stars with the cat astronauts' mission, moon, and race to Mars at your local bookstore and library.
0: Oh, you cat astronauts. Everybody say cat astronauts. Hey the cats are not, doing things that cats cannot.